Morning. Morning. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. All right. Um, make sure you give Andrew a hard time because he is, uh, it takes him a while to get warmed up to the Christmas spirit. He is a bah humbugger. So come uh, November, I think this year, I was like, hey, let's talk about Christmas. I don't like Christmas. So uh, pretty sure there's a place of purgatory there for Andrew. Anyway, Merry Christmas. I am so excited about this series. I've been wanting to do a series like this for a while. It's just kind of a fun thing for us to do. Um, but we're, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 of your Bible. If you do not have a Bible, uh, we have some in the back. You can grab one. And if you don't own a Bible, keep that. It is yours to keep. Um, so favorite Christmas movies, shout them out. National Lampoon. National Lampoon's has made over 100 movies, so you have to be way more specific. There you go. Christmas Vacation. All right. Uh, Die Hard, anybody? Christmas Story, Miracle on 34th Street. What are some others? Home Alone, Polar Express, all these great movies. Elf, right? Um, speaking of Andrew, the Grinch that stole Christmas. Yeah, I'm just taking free shots. So, anyway. Uh, great movies, all these movies, and over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to show, uh, kind of hit on one of the Christmas classics and use it to launch us and help us understand the things that Jesus brought when he came to the earth and he was born in the manger. And so we're going to kind of prep that scene using some of the, the movies that are big to us. And to kick us off, uh, our opening clip from one of the many versions of this classic question. Have you ever woke up on the wrong side of bed every day? Every day. That's kind of what I think of when I think of the Scrooge. There's actually a guy out in California. When I think of Scrooge, I think of him. Uh, Sarah and I decided one morning uh, that that evening we were going to go and look at Christmas lights. And we were going to go to an area called Thoroughbred. It's a street in... Uh, the Rancho Cucamonga, Ontario area of Southern California, and every house, they spend more money on their Christmas lights than we paid for our entire house. And so it is an amazing thing, but we get to where you drive up to the street and it comes to a complete stop. It is a line of traffic and it takes us about two hours to go about a mile and a half. And when, at some point in time, I had turned off my headlights and had my fog lights on because I figured, why blind the car in front of me for an hour and a half? And so I, I did that, and it was in the evening time, obviously, and we're getting up closer to where you can park your car and, and walk in or you can drive in. And all of a sudden, and we're basically not moving, uh, from the distance, a big shine, I mean, blast of light came right into our car, and I'm like, what in the world? And it was flashing on and off and beaming. I'm like, what is this guy doing? And then he walks up to our car and starts belittling me because I didn't have my headlights on. And why in the world would you be in your car at night without your headlights on? And I'm like, well, you know, I was trying to be respectful of the little car in front of me. And, and uh, then it turns out he was a police officer and he starts belittling me a little bit more and telling me, well, you wouldn't go down the highway without your lights on. And I'm like, yeah, like I do that every night. And I didn't say anything. I wasn't disrespectful. And then he, he went and wrote me a $300 ticket. And I looked at my wife and I was like, wow, 
bah humbug, you know, like there's the Scrooge right there. It was one of those situations where I think of it, who peed in your Cheerios, dude? Did you marry the wrong woman? Like, I don't know what it is for you, but something is not right. And that is what we kind of consider a Scrooge, somebody that there's no joy, there's no fun. And if that is you, good luck with that. Good luck with that. But this clip here, it's interesting because we all have our Christmas traditions. And there's usually three stages of Christmas traditions. You have the Christmas traditions that you're raised with in your home. Mom and dad kind of lay those down in front of you. And then you have, after you leave the home and you're on your own and you have your own kind of traditions. And then it all changes when you, if you get married. Because now somebody else is bringing in their traditions. And for me, one of the traditions that was brought into my marriage by my wife was watching a movie on Thanksgiving evening called An American Christmas Carol. It is one of the over 30 films that are basically portrayed by Charles Dickens' amazing classic, uh, The Christmas Carol, and depicting the life of Ebenezer Scrooge. And Christmas Carol is a classic transformation story. When you start to th- talking about and thinking about transformation, this guy has it in one night. It is a total transformation. It's on Christmas Eve, 1843, in London, England. And this miserable moneylender uh, is at a local counting house, and he does not share the same joy that we do. He's similar, more, never mind. Um, but his grumpy, sour, cold-hearted demeanor Uh, would be best summed up by his phrase, what? Bah humbug. That was pathetic. You guys are not in this Christmas spirit yet. He is a hard-hearted, relentless taskmaster who doesn't want to give his faithful employee, Bob Cratchit, uh, the day off to celebrate Christmas. But he does it reluctantly because everybody else did and he feels obligated, but he's not happy about it, doesn't want to do it, And that's where the story kind of gets going. But he tells them as he leaves, after he says, you can have Christmas Day off, but the day after Christmas, you better be at work and you better be on time. And if you are not on time, do not bother showing up for work because you'll be fired. You will lose your job. But we understand, by the end of the film, he is a changed man. Scrooge goes from bah humbug to Merry Christmas. Well, how does that happen? What does it take to transform a hard heart like that? And in this story, in Charles Dickens' classic, he's visited by how many? Do you guys know how many spirits? Four. You were close. The first one that he is actually visited by is his old business partner, uh, a friend of his, and so in the, uh, this one, it's Jacob Marley. He's visited by Jacob Marley. Take a look at Jacob Marley. Dude, I don't know if that gets you in the Christmas spirit or not, but here's what Jacob Marley does. He warns him to repent. You need to repent of your wicked ways. You need to get right. You need to get, <laughs> because guess what? The afterlife sucks in my predicament right here. It does. And if you don't change, it's going to be miserable for you too. 
And so he lays that out there in front of him, carrying these heavy, awful chains from his own greedy ways. And he informs Scrooge that if he is, he's going to be visited by three spirits, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and what we call the Christmas yet to come, the ghost of the future. And from his encounter with the ghost of Christmas past, we find out a lot about Ebenezer. We find out that he wasn't always this way. In fact, one time in his life, he was actually fairly happy. He wasn't this grumpy, cold, mean-hearted guy. You learn that early on in his life, things were actually good. And he wasn't always alone. In fact, he was engaged to a beautiful lady at one point in time. But their engagement falls apart because of Scrooge's greed. Because he, he pursues wealth and the things that the world produces over her. And he wanted those things so badly that he let some of the most valuable things in his life slip away. And he missed out on them. And so here's where the story, his story, and our story, and the story of the person that we're going to talk about in the Bible all kind of interchange. Because it's not too late to be transformed, to change, to have a heart change. It's not too late to have a change of heart and like the movie The Christmas Carol, the Christmas story in the Bible has its own character who has to change his heart a little bit. And he is transformed after a visit also from a spirit that appears in a dream. So that's where some of the similarities are. And the person's name is Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. And you probably have heard of him. Who, like Scrooge, was uh, trying to make a decision about what to do about his relationship with his fiancée. But for very different reasons. And this is where we're going to pick it up, Matthew chapter 1. It says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, and so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He's basically going to divorce her quietly. Mary is pregnant, and Joseph is unsure of what to do about Mary's pregnancy. Why? Because this is just a dumpster fire situation for him, because think about it. She's pregnant, and he's not the father. Yeah, like Maury Povich and Jerry Springer and Darth Vader all get together at one little meeting, and it's like, who's the father? You are the father. I am the father. You are not the father. Could you imagine, guys, if your wife came home one day and said, hey, got some really exciting, interesting news. I'm pregnant but you're not the father. How would you respond to that? That's what his situation is. Well, you've been unfaithful. That is not a good thing. Joseph knows that he is not the father because he hasn't done the fun activity that is involved in becoming a father. 
But Matthew, the book of Matthew, tells us that Mary hasn't done anything wrong. And this is the part of God's miraculous intervention into human history. This is how the Messiah would come. Messiah, which means Christ, means king. Not just a king, but it's God's king. And all the years of expectations in the Old Testament, all the years of the Israelites waiting is finally over. The Messiah has come. The Messiah has arrived. It is Christmas, Christ, Mass, to celebrate the arrival of God's King. So when people say Merry Christmas, they're saying, hey, this is awesome. Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he was born and we're going to celebrate it. That's what they are saying. But Joseph is not celebrating There is no parade. There is no massive party. Joseph is heartbroken because he doesn't know any of the Messiah stuff yet. And the marriage customs at that time were very different than they are now. And I'll try to explain it a little bit, but a marriage contract is negotiated between two families. And once the, the, the negotiations, they've come to an agreement, uh, they become engaged, which basically they are considered man and wife. It's like they are married, but they don't consummate the marriage or they don't even start living together. What he would do is he would leave her, go back to his parents' house or his house, and he would start preparing the house for them and what would be their family. But this also gives it time, and usually it could go all the way up to a year of this betrothal period. And it's also a time where she proves her purity. Because what happens in seven or eight, nine months if you haven't been pure? You're going to show. And so during this time, and then once he has everything ready, then he will go back to her house or her parents' house, get her, her family, her friends, and they will together go to this new home that he has prepared, this new place that he's been spending all this time on and painting walls and thinking about the nursery and all this amazing stuff and the family and the impact that it's going to be and he's doing all that. And yet their story looks completely different. Joseph knows there won't be a parade. He knows that there won't be a party. And he's conflicted about what to do. Joseph is a good man. And he wants to do the right thing. So even though he thinks that he has been betrayed and she's been unfaithful, he chooses not to publicly shame her, but to handle this situation discreetly and divorce her quietly. But then, like Scrooge, He is visited in the night by a spiritual messenger, but this messenger is from God. And this is where we pick it up in verse 20. It says, As he considered this, which is divorcing her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, and then we're talking about the prophet Isaiah, saying, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Talk about having your entire world flipped upside down. Joseph, you didn't have all the information before, but here we're going to lay it out in front of you. This is a pretty heavy dream. This is a pretty heavy message. He is invited backstage, kind of. He gets a backstage pass behind all the film stuff, and he goes behind the curtain. And all these things have been revealed to him, things that he has studied from his childhood. And he learns that he gets a role. He gets to have a part in this. What a fascinating thing. As a Jewish boy, all the things that he'd been learning all growing up, the Torah and how there's going to eventually be somebody that's going to come to deliver them. And Joseph, you need to understand, there is something much bigger going on here than just wondering what in the world your wife and how in the world she got pregnant without you participating in the process. All this time, he thought it was Mary's problem. When in all actuality, this was God's plan all along. God's beautiful plan. And Joseph, you get to be a part of that. You get to be the earthly father of the Messiah. Just like Mary gets a really special role, you get to be the mother. You're going to give birth to God's son, Emmanuel, God with us, Christ the King. You get to take on that role. Joseph, you get to be the male mentor for God's son. How cool is that? Your role will be huge. And I believe it is the same with us. God is inviting you to take a role and participate and the things that he wants us to do. We get to be a part of his story and live a life that actually direct people to him. But you have to decide, just like Joseph has to decide, you have to decide if you're going to take on the role that God is offering to you. Now what's amazing about the book of Matthew is the book of Matthew, is a, the prime, one of the primary themes is to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies. But it's also to make sure they understand that Jesus is the Messiah. It's going to answer the question, is he? Is he the Messiah? And exhibit A, which we're talking about right here, exhibit A is a miraculous birth. The birth from a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not just a special person, he is divine. This is God's son, born of the virgin, and this is obviously quoting Isaiah 7.14. He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he has come to save us, just like the name of Jesus means. Comes to save. The Lord saves. And the first person who has to wrestle with the question of whether or not Jesus is Messiah is Joseph. Because if, if Jesus is the Messiah, then Joseph has to choose. He has to decide if he is in 
or if he is out? Will he take on the role that God is offering to him? Will he have a change of heart? Even though he is a good person, he has to decide. And for many of us, you're good people. You're not like Ebenezer Scrooge. You're probably more like Joseph. You're a good person. But we still need to have a change of heart. And we come halfway through our point in this story and also in the movie. And we're unsure where Ebenezer Scrooge is going to, what he's going to do. Will he have a change of heart? Because the ghost of Christmas present takes him to the Cratchit's house. And he forces him to witness and watch this scene around the dining table. All right? And most every single depiction of this movie has this scene where this family, his co-worker, the person that works for him, they're sitting around the table and they are so grateful for what little they have. They give honor to God. They give just thanks to him. This family doesn't have a lot, but what they have they're incredibly grateful for. And there's a child that's crippled that needs help. And there's dialogue there. You know, what's going to happen to this child? Is he going to live or is he going to die? You learn the importance of family and faith. And yet even in that moment, and if you watch the film, even in that moment, at the very end of that scene, Scrooge makes it about himself. Because I am the founder of the feast. I'm the one that hired this man and I am giving him the money that's providing this little goose that he has on the table. Scrooge specializes in making things about himself. And we learn that Scrooge and Joseph were very different types of people. Scrooge is a bad man with a hard heart. Joseph is a good man with a kind heart. But they both faced the same dilemma. They both had to answer this question. And the question is this, will I make my life all about me? Am I going to do what's easiest for me? And what choices, think about this, in your life right now, what choices are you facing? And you're going to have to decide what to do. What are you really going to live for? Because no matter what church you go to and no matter what version of the Bible you have, you're going to have moments where you're going to be called to something greater. You're going to be called to make a decision, to live your life a little bit differently. How are you going to respond? What is the condition of your heart? You know, we've spent the last five weeks talking about the condition of our heart. Are we going to have a greedy, selfish heart or are we going to have a generous heart? thinking of others, thinking of God. And I doubt many of us in here would admit to being just like Scrooge. Maybe you do. I don't know. But most of us feel pretty good about ourselves in comparison to his bah-humbugged ways, right? I believe that most of us, Joseph's part in the Christmas story kind of is a little closer to where we would be in the transformation story. And I believe we all want to be good people who do the right thing. We all want to be good people who do the right thing. But Jesus actually came 
to save you from that. Now hang with me real quick because you could lose it right there. He wants to save us from that, from being a good person who does the right thing, kind of. He came to save us from doing our own thing. It being on you. From what? Well, the answer in the Christian world is, well, save you from your sins, right? And yes, that's true. But here's what it really means. Jesus came to save you from you. Scrooge needed to be saved from himself, and so did Joseph. He needed a Savior, just like everyone else. And no matter how good or bad you are, we need a Savior. And the problem is doing it our own way, doing it Jeff's way when I make myself Lord and Savior of my life, is not surrendering it over to God. Because there's nothing that I can do that is enough. I can't good enough my way to God. Being good isn't really good enough. But by the end of the movie, Scrooge has a change of heart. He has seen a lot of his life and there's a moment at the end of the movie when he's with the Christmas, the, the ghost of Christmas yet to come and he's kneeling beside an old gravestone with his name on it. And the grass and the weeds have grown up around. You can tell that nobody visits this gravestone. And in my favorite version of this movie, An American Christmas Carol with Henry Winkler, which is just really cool that the Fonzie plays the character. But he's like, are you kidding me? I'm by this grave that nobody visits, that nobody misses and nobody respects. And it's a small little tombstone in the woods. And this is what Henry Winkler says when he depicts the character of Ebenezer Scrooge. He says, tell me this can change. Tell me this can change. I don't want to lie here in a, empty gra- in a grave that is unloved and unremembered. Please tell me it can change. I'm willing to make a change. I want it to happen differently. And he makes the decision right then and there that he's going to be different. That true transformation is going to occur in his life. And right here's where it begins. True transformation starts with surrender. It begins with surrender. It begins on our knees, begging God for change. And it might, ha- uh, might not have been as dramatic uh, for Joseph as it was the Scrooge, but Joseph has to come to a place where, you know what? I'm going to surrender what would be easiest for me and I'll take on the role. He traded in what he was going to do for what God wanted him to do. And we find this in verse 24 and 25. It says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. starts with surrender 
And then transformation leads to obedience. This isn't just making a slightly better version of yourself. This isn't some formula, some five easy steps that improve your life, that you're going you're gonna to read some self-help book and it's all going to be okay and different. Obedience is hard. It's not easy. Look at the verses again. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took Mary as his wife and Jesus or Joseph named him Jesus. He was obedient. He did what he was told. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 says God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so that none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. It's a gift. You are saved from something. You are saved not from your sin but from yourself. And you're saved by something. It's the gift that's under the tree or actually the gift that is on the tree. On the cross. And you receive it. And then it tells us that if you do that, make the most of it. You're saved to do something. To be a part of something. To do good works. God didn't just do this so that you could receive a gift and not not do something with it. Could you imagine watching your kids on Christmas morning open this gift that you're so excited for them, you know, to, to play with and you're expecting like weeks long of playing, all right? Maybe it's some kind of erector set or I don't know, Legos. And they open the box and they say, that is so cool. I've always wanted that. But then they never take it out of the box. They never build it. They never play with it. They never share it with friends. How sad would that make you? As a parent, I'd be like broken, it would break my heart. And I think it breaks God's heart when he sees his children. He sees people say, yes, that's the gift I want. And then they never do anything. They don't do the good works that he wants them to do. They never share it with others. And guys, let me tell you, grace is the most amazing gift ever given to us. Don't just accept it and not do anything. Let it transform you. Let it change you from the way that you were to the way that God wants you to be. From your way to God's way. And when we do this, our transformation will result in being a godly person. Whether your way was really hard like Scrooge's or some of you are pretty good like Joseph, we all need to be transformed and experience the upgrade that is God's way. And Jesus came to transform you from bad or good to godly. To godly. So quick takeaways real quick. Both of our people had a spiritual visit in a dream. Obviously, Joseph's was from God. 
my question is, this is to me, am I listening? Am I listening to the Spirit of God? Am I opening up His Word and reading it and figuring out what He wants me to do? And then the question is, are we being obedient to what we're being told? A godly person is one who listens to God and then lines his or her life up as close as they can by being obedient to Him and sharing His story with the world. That's what a godly person looks like. That's what I want to look like. And I think most of you would say the same. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for transformation. I thank you that every single person in here, including myself, we still have an opportunity. We still have breath in our lungs. We still have a chance to change. And we all need to. We all need to change. We need to gravitate towards you and live closer to you and accept what you give us. And I pray that we'll be obedient in that aspect. And so help us to be a church that pays attention to your spirit. That it won't just be words on a page or words from the worship leader, the pastor, the person that's reading. It would just be something, Father God, that we just, we are in tune to you. What are you telling us? What can we do with it? So we thank you so much. This we ask in your name. Amen.